Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the Watch Where You Step or Stand or Breathe edition. <laughs> this sounds like um, what my anxiety tells me yes. every day when I wake up. That's well, perfect. <laughs> right after it says this, it's like, you know what, just stay in bed. Just stay in bed. <laughs> don't, don't risk it. Oh, man. Welcome to episode 040 the most painful sting on earth so far. Great. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jill Chacha, and I'm with the just absolutely excited to be here, Marissa Riley. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's me. No, but seriously, I am pumped. I may this... have creeped on a couple pictures of this. Uh, the Cre- thing that creates this sting and... <laughs> I am. I'm yeah. very curious. Yeah, you're very curious. I need to yeah. know more. So, if you're for joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome to the flock. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, welcome to the flock of business geese. That's us. Uh, I won't go into detail about what that means. That means you have to catch up on some episodes to get yeah. to get the details of that one. But yeah. uh, Dr. Riley here comes in cold, uh, seeing everything for the first time, hearing everything for the first time, and experiencing all the horrible things. Uh, wonderfully horrible things <laughs> with you. <laughs> wonderfully horrible things uh, that are told to me uh, via gorgeous stories. Storytelling. Jill takes all these amazing facts about the worst things in the world and the best things, the, basically the most interesting things. And, they turn uh, out to be the, be- the same. <laughs> the best <laughs> and worst turn out to be the same thing. It's crazy, yeah. And then And then she tells it to me like... Like it's a goddamn like it's an anecdote like it yeah. like it happened to her. There you go. Thankfully, yesterday. it did not. Thank God. No. What we're going to talk about today did not and will never happen to me. So <laughs> I will never go to these places. Um, Amazing. So. Well, neither will I now. <laughs> so. This is I will do anything in my power to not let this happen. Uh, okay. To me. <laughs> should we begin? We should. Okay. Uh, now. Speaking of other episodes, way, 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 way motherfucking back and in between 005, the early days of this podcast. Oh. I know. Oh, we're uh, babies then. <laughs> we talked about uh, the insect sting pain index. Do oh, yeah, that? we did. Oh, uh, yes, we did. I didn't even let you finish your sentence. I was like, oh, how could I forget? That's right. <laughs> uh, that is a subjective manual written by the brave and perhaps mildly insane entomologist Justin Schmidt. Uh, he endured little, literally thousands of stings from dozens of venom and venomous insects. It, it was so horrible, I can barely speak right now. Um, anyway, he did all of this to create an equally informative and entertaining scale of which insect sting is the most god-awful to experience. I, I am so, I am still impressed by this person hmm. because he he took the phrase, um, if you want something done, do it yourself. Yes. A little too literally. <laughs> yes. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, I highly, highly recommend reading some of his work or you could just scroll down to uh, in between 5 and listen to the poetry of what it's like to be stung by aptly named nightmarish creatures like the bald-faced hornet and tarantula hawk. So oh, the tarantula hawk. Yes. Oh, it's all coming back to me <laughs> yes. now. Oh, uh, in great detail. Yeah. You guys, the tarantula hawk. It's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. Personal fave. Yeah. 
Uh, right now, I can provide a quick summary of his interpretation of the bald-faced hornet sting, uh, and it sounds like eating a piece of chocolate in hell. Mm. Uh, quote, rich, hearty, slightly crunchy, similar to getting your hand smashed in a revolving door. End quote. So. I Something I love about, what's his name again? Justin. Justin. Something I love about Justin... <laughs> He's not using any technical terms no, that don't no. make any sense to me. He's also not being pretentious. Like when people talk about wine, that also doesn't make sense to me. He's talking about it. He's telling it like it is. Yeah, it's, I highly recommend just go finding this scale slash manual. It's just, it's just fantastic. I mean, we also spoke about the aptly named uh, Bullet Ant, whose sting Justin says is a, quote, Pure, intense, brilliant pain, like fire walking over flaming charcoal with a three-inch rusty nail in your heel. That I get. <laughs> That's I, right. That happened to me yesterday. It was just like, <laughs> I, I know exactly how that feels. Yes. And, um, well, now, this all sounds absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, but what if I told you, if we took the most absolute worst sting on that scale and experienced it multiple times over... That would still pale in comparison to the sting of the creature, I guess we can call it a creature, of the creature we're going to talk about today. Oh my god. <laughs> Just Jill. Hand, hand directly to the face right now, folks. Jill, what have you done? <laughs> what have I signed up for? I'm yeah. kidding. I'm so excited. So what better way to make a memorable first impression than by reading first-hand accounts of those who unfortunately stumbled into the path of this thing? Oh my god, I love it. Now, Dr. Marissa, would you like to take turns reading from the AustralianGeographic.com.au article, Once Stung, Never Forgotten, oh. by Amanda Burdon? Uh, nothing would make me happier. All yeah, right. Go first. Here, here we go. Okay, quotes. North Queensland Road surveyor A.C. McMillan was among the first to document the effects of a stinging tree, reporting to his boss in 1866 that his pack horse, and I quote, was stung, got mad, and died within two hours, end quote. Similar, uh, I'm just going to ignore the doorbell. <laughs> Similar tales abound in local folklore of horses jumping off cliffs in agony and forestry workers drinking themselves silly to dull the intractable pain. Mm -hmm. End of my portion of the quote. There you go. Uh, Australian ex-serviceman Cyril Bromley described falling into a stinging tree during military training in World War II. He was strapped to a hospital bed for three weeks and administered all manner of unsuccessful treatments. He was sent, quote, as mad as, mad as a cut snake by the pain, end quote. Oh, my God. Now, as a side note, I just had to look up that old-timey phrase, uh, and it was worth it. The Australian National University explains it as acting very angry, crazy, or eccentric. Similar phrases in Australian English include mad as a meat axe and <laughs> mad as a cut snake was first recorded in 1900. I, so. I love it. I'm going to work it into my um, all conversations with no, no, no context. Ex, no context and I'm going to use it wrong on purpose. <laughs> um, it makes me think of um, Tahani from The Good Place and yeah. she's always throwing out I don't know, maybe maybe British terms that no one's ever heard of, and, this, no, and no one has any idea what she's talking about. This would be perfect. Mad as a meat axe. Yeah. Use it. 
So a meat but, axe? I thought it was a cut snake. <laughs> well, you can use both. Wait, Absolute. there's mad as a... Oh, there's yeah, two. Yes. Similar phrases in Australian English include mad as a meat axe, mad as a meat axe, and mad as a cut snake was first recorded in 1900. Thank you. I was too busy focusing on mad as a, as a cut snake. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is mad as a meat axe something that will stick with you, so will the rest of the anecdotes from One Stung, Never Forgotten. Dr. Marissa... Shall we continue? We shall. Let's do it. All right. Quote, Australian ex-serviceman Cyril Bromley also told of an officer shooting himself after using a stinging tree leaf for toilet purposes. Oh, my God. Ernie Ryder will never forget the day in 1963 when he was slapped in the face, arms, and chest by a stinging tree. I remember it feeling like there were giant hands trying to squash my chest. He said, for two or three days, the pain was almost unbearable. I couldn't work or sleep. And then it was pretty bad for another fortnight or so. (laughs) The stinging persisted for two years and recurred every time I had a cold shower. Yep. Uh, Continuing, now a senior conservation officer with the Queensland's Park and Wildlife Service, Ernie said he's not experienced anything like the pain during 44 years of work in the bush. Quote, there's nothing to rival it. It's 10 times worse than anything else. Scrub ticks, scrub itch, and itchy jack sting included. Stinging trees are a real and present danger, he said. End quote. So today, my friends, there is nothing on earth, crawling, swimming, or flying, that could cause as much pain and suffering as a plant. Oh my god. A certain plant we're going to get up close and personal with after the break. Maybe not too up close and personal. It's only going to get so much weirder. Please stay tuned. Please do. And we're back. We are so back. We are so back. And if this is your first time listening to Well That's Interesting, you should know that we record in a New York City apartment and that means you get the first-hand account of what it's like to live in a New York City apartment. Yeah, you (laughs) really do. You're going to hear all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. If you listen closely to our episodes, you can hear things like screaming. A lot of screaming. That's true. A lot of children screaming. Yeah. You can hear really bad singing. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not us. That is our neighbor who has a dream, and I respect it. She's living her best. Oh, that's yeah. the top neighbor. And then oh. there's the neighbor to the right. That's right. The guy with the guitar. The guy with the guitar. Yes. The sad guy with the guitar. Right. Anyways, this is what we go through every day. <laughs> um, we know everything about our neighbors, but we've never met them. And uh, occasionally we get uh, someone ringing the doorbell. For no reason. For no reason. And you don't answer it. And you don't answer no it. No way. You just don't. Nope. You just Lots of times people ring it because they're bringing you a package, but other times it no. could be because, you know. Murder. They want to kill you. Absolutely. Yeah. You See, don't answer the door. You don't answer the door, <laughs> so. and you check for the package <clears throat> 20 to 30 minutes later. Yeah, exactly. Because they've gotten bored by then. Yeah, and they're like, oh, fuck it. I'll try another apartment. That's what you hope for. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> ah, should we get back to episode 040? Oh, yes, That's the episode. <laughs> Ah, we're back, and we are now lost within the rainforests of Australia. Ooh. Yeah, specifically the rainforests of Queensland and northern New South Wales, uh, where our plant can be found. Uh. But, but first, 
Where are Queensland and New South Wales located within Australia? Great question. I'm glad you asked. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> they're super easy to point out. Uh, we're going to make some chunks. Are you ready? I am so ready. Let's make some chunks. Now, everyone, picture a map of Australia I'm in your doing head. It. Okay. Now, point at the very northeast corner. Okay. We're going to draw a huge box that extends down to the middle of the coastline. Okay, and that chunk is Queensland, and it makes up 23% of the country. Wowee! Yes. <laughs> That's a lot! Now, right underneath this box, we're going to draw another huge box, and it's going to extend nearly to the very end of the East Coast. Stop just, just short of the end. This big old chunk is New South Wales. Oh. And it makes up another 10% of the country. Well, look at that. Massive chunks. This is where we are. Okay. Now, cool. <laughs> within the massive chunk of Queensland is an absolutely stunning forest called Tablelands. Aww. And it was here an entomologist and ecologist spent three goddamn years subjecting herself to the study of this plant. Oh my God. So, move over, Justin Schmidt. Hold my beer, tarantula hawk. My friends, we're about to dive into the experience of Marina Hurley and the plant that produces the most painful sting on earth. The gimpy gimpy plant. Oh my god, there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> First of all, fuck yeah, Marina. That sounds like a nightmare, but it was clearly your dream. Yes. You are a hero. <laughs> Second of all, the gimpy gimpy. That's right. I know. I know. It's adorable. It's really cute. It's Did so a child name this? We'll get, we'll get into that. It sounds like, oh my god, I can't wait. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss situation it's, or a muppet i can't decide yeah god a muppet from hell um it is adorably named uh, but the plant itself is not adorable it's not really anything um i had difficulty finding photos that would provide any unique or outstanding physical features like that would catch your eye if you were walking past it because you know how in nature, if something is venomous or dangerous in any way, it kind of advertises itself, right? Like yeah. with color, for instance, or whatever. Yeah, but, like like every plant in Jumanji. That's right. They all looked fucking scary as shit. Right, exactly. They, they looked like they were going to eat you, and then they did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this plant, it just looks like a green goddamn house plant. And Dr. Marissa, I would love to show you a few pictures, and if you would... Please channel your inner botanist to help describe the Gimpy Gimpy. Excellent. Here's the first photo. And of course, all photos will be on our Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but Marissa, <laughs> it's Dr. Marissa. I, help me out here. What does this look like? I mean, it looks <laughs> it like if, you, if I were to tell our listeners to close their eyes and picture a plant, that this is what you would picture. It's, it's, it's green leaves. <laughs> that are leaf shaped, attached to a a vine or some sort of uh, stem. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's it's there. It's a plant. It it and it's uh it it's it's coming from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> there's not. There's really. It's just. It's a. It's green leaves. It, yeah, I'd have this in my fucking living room. I mean, it's just... Okay, here's another photo of a larger, older Gimpy Gimpy in comparison to uh, an adult. Um, I mean... It's big. It's like yeah. a big bush, but it's nothing that's making me nervous. Right. Um, I, I feel like I could walk past this yes. every day of my life and never really think about it. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
so strange. Um, I mean, if you were out and about walking through an Australian rainforest for some goddamn awful reason, uh, if you weren't looking out for this plant, you can you can see why people would just brush against it or walk right into it. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah and I would definitely. I mean, not to get too graphic here, it does look like the type of plant you would use as toilet paper. It looks like your first choice. <laughs> it's, yeah. It it you know it does look sturdy. It looks sturdy. It looks like one wipe. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, God. So, if you find yourself in Tablelands, Daintree, or Boodaroo, or any other Australian-sounding national park on the East Coast, <laughs> keep an eye out for the following. Uh, here is an official description. I really hope this helps, but it probably won't. Um, Dendrosnide moroide, its official name. Oh. Dendrosnide. Dendrosnide. Yeah. Uh, it usually grows as a single-stemmed plant, reaching anywhere from three to nine feet in height. Um, okay. Not, helpful. not helpful at all. That's a big range. Yeah, so uh, it has large green heart-shaped leaves, about nine, uh, five to nine inches long and four to seven inches wide. Again, obscure. Yep. Uh, with finely toothed edges, uh, kind of serrated looking. Okay. But the edges aren't what's dangerous, and we'll get into that. Okay. Um, it does produce fruit, and they look a lot like raspberries and mulberries, uh, and this provides the only bright coloring, like little red dots and pink dots. But Okay. Yeah. Do not fucking eat them. I okay? won't. <laughs> they are not poisonous. It's just what they're covered in is the problem. Oh. It's what the entire plant is covered in. Oh, my God. Now, okay. Okay. Dr. Marissa, it's time. Okay. Let's zoom in. <laughs> Let's zoom in on one of these leaves. And if you would, please tell us what you see in this photo. Okay. Okay. Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, take your okay, time. Okay. <laughs> I'm just observing this. Okay. So it's a close up of um, the top of a leaf. Yes. And uh, the, the out facing part. And. Um, all over it look are these tiny hair looking things yeah. and it's almost like peach fuzz yeah but they're standing up straight like uh, the little hairs on the back of your neck when you're scared and uh, i don't know why i said that so sweetly because i know what they do <laughs> they're fucking spikes that's right what, yes. what's on a cactus um the things yeah just the uh, the needles the needles they're yeah. fucking needles it sounds like they're full poison, right? <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the fucking needle head there, yeah. There we go. So I it's mean, a thousand tiny, this thing is covered in a gazillion tiny hair-like needles yes. that are going to hurt your body. <laughs> there you there go. There you go. That's right. Thousands upon thousands of silica-like hairs. And I would love to tell you how they destroy the human body, but I think I'll let Dr. Marina Hurley Tell us how they work first. Ooh, That's right. okay, okay. Let's head on over to YouTube where there's a great seven-minute interview slash video of Marina walking through Tablelands looking for this plant and whispering all the terrible things about it to us. Um, this will be a quick excerpt. And if you would like to go, I highly recommend listening to the whole seven minutes. Uh, the title is Dr. Marina Hurley and Her Stinging Tree Research. Oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to pull it up right here, and we're going to have a listen to see how these hairs work. Let's do it. Bear with me here. Here we go. With the hair on the leaf, the hair is sitting inside a bowl, and at the end of, of the hair, there's also another bowl. 
a really tiny bulb. So when when the hair goes into the skin, the little bulb at the end is broken off and it becomes sharp like, a, an, like the end of a hypodermic needle. It goes into the skin and the skin closes over the hair. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So she said there's a ball yeah. at the end of the hair. And so when the skin brushes over it, the ball comes off and then the needle goes into your skin and stays there. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly right. That's um, horrifying. Yeah. And each hair acts like an individual hypodermic needle, releasing a toxin that feels worse than any spider or insect venom. Okay. And <laughs> okay. Um so when this happens, it's not just like one or two. It's like a bunch. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, so I was thinking like 50, but thousands. I I I don't think I'm ever going to go to Australia. <laughs> Sorry. I'm kidding. I would love to go to Australia. To I hear amazing things. Um but I am nervous. Yeah. Um, Dr. Marissa, would you please, uh, please tell us the sensation each hair produces. And this quote is from, of course, the article, Once Stung, Never Forgotten. I would love to. All right, quote, being stung is the worst kind of pain you can imagine, like being burnt with hot acid and electrocuted at the same time, said Marina Hurley. That's right. Oh, my God. Yes. Yep, yep. Justin... Yep. You wish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, I know what you're thinking. How long does this last? I wasn't, no, but really? I am now. <laughs> Good news, an extremely long time. Now, if you're lucky, <laughs> if you're lucky, only a few hours. If you're unlucky, years. No. Yeah, so no. <laughs> let's, let's break this down. Um, Dr. Hurley was kind enough to go into great detail for the online magazine, theconversation.com where she wrote about her experience and findings in an article called The Worst Kind of Pain You Can Imagine, What It's Like Being Stung by the Stinging Tree, back so, in 2018. Real quick, so this has, she has been stung by it. Oh, I, that's another reason to go watch this seven-minute video. Every time she talks about it, she's about to break into tears. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, she spent three years of her life just going through this, and I'm just barely touching the surface of like the pain this woman experienced. Oh my yeah, God. I know. Okay. Well, tell me everything else you know. <laughs> okay. So how long does this pain last? Quote, an intense stinging burning pain is felt immediately, then intensifies, reaching a peak after 20 to 30 minutes. Not only do you feel pain from where you are stung, if it is a really bad sting, Within about 20 minutes, your lymph nodes under your arms swell and throb painfully and feel like they are being slammed between two blocks of wood. Oh, my God. These are her words, by the way. Oh, so, my God. So, they're, they're, once again, things like Justin, things I understand. Yeah. The intense throbbing pain from both the sting and your lymph nodes can last anywhere from one to four hours, depending upon what species you touched, the amount of skin that was stung, and how hard you came into contact with the plant. Oh, my God. End quote. Oh, my God. So I didn't want to be the one to tell you this, but you heard it from Marina herself. There's a whole family of stinging trees. What? Yes. Yes. What? There's seven species in total that produce this reaction. Great. So there's the gimpy gimpy, right? And six others you can accidentally meander into 
each more more blandly looking than the next. And I'm so sorry. You should be. <laughs> sorry. Okay, question. Are they all in Australia? Or yes. Is there one in, in our backyard? <laughs> as far as I know, no. I know they're in Australia and um, New Guinea, like in that area, in that neck of the woods. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so when we go there, yes. I'm just going to wear hazmat suit. Sure. The whole time. That's hot. So. All right. <laughs> That's hot. Done. All right, let's get back to those hairs. Now, if they're not removed, they can remain in the skin up to six months. And if you apply any pressure, like even taking a shower, yeah. that's enough to activate the hairs and you'll feel the pain again. No! <laughs> can you get them taken out? Excellent fucking question. How do you get them out? Now, if you said use acid and waxing, you're right. No! No! You have to fight pain with more pain. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, The Cape Tribulation Tropical Research Station has treated many people for the gimpy gimpy stings. Um, And this is the best method so far. Okay, are you ready? No. Okay, good. So, (laughs) So, get yourself some hydrochloric acid. No. And dilute it to a 1 to 10 ratio. Okay. And this this kind of numbs the hairs and the affected area for just a few minutes. All right. Then you lay down some waxing strips, and then you pull out whatever is embedded in you. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's chill. So, I'm so sorry. Marissa right now is embedding herself in my shoulder, just not believing what she's hearing. I'm so. not. Just hearing about it hurts. Yeah. Wow, I hurt for these people. Oh my God. Now, if you're wondering why this is the preferred method of treatment, well, it's because there is no known antitoxin that can stop the pain or the venom. What? Yeah. Nothing? Nothing. See, I I assume that we would just go to the hospital, shoddy, shoddy, out. Morphine doesn't even work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do they use it? You can if you, I mean, they'll pump you full of everything to make you feel better. Yeah. But uh, there's really nothing they can do. And um, late last year, though, in 2020, Irina Vetter and Thomas Durek at the University of Queensland in Brisbane conducted the most recent chemical analysis of the gimpy gimpy venom. And, quote, needles revealed a previously unknown family of peptides. Oh. The researchers named them gimpytides after... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So cute. They named them after the Gimpy Gimpy, the tree's name in the indigenous Gooby Gooby language. Gooby Gooby. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm... How adorable. You know, Australia's won me back over. <laughs> it's just... I'll go. I'll just hazmat from the waist down. <laughs> oh, you might want to keep the whole, uh, the whole suit, because we're going to get into it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, not, no. There's, there's like another couple of pages more we got to go through. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, so until we know how to immobilize those new peptides scientists have never seen before, please stock up on hydrochloric acid. Okay. And that quote was from Nature.com, the article, How the Giant Stinging Tree of Australia Can Inflict Months of Agony. So that's the the titles of these articles, man. It's fucking, they just, just, they just get to it. I love it. Telling it how it is. Now, this seems like quite a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. But brace yourself. 
it's going to get more what the fuck. Oh my God. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to play a little bit more of that video that we played just a moment ago. Okay. Uh, now it's a little hard to understand what Marina is saying because she and the other person she's with are wearing face masks. As they should. Yeah. The kind you wear on like a construction site. They're more heavy duty than the ones we've been wearing this past year. So let's have a listen as to why not only gloves are needed, if you're going to be foolish enough to fucking play around with these things. Oh so, my God. Let me pull that up. This is about, we're about 40 seconds in. And uh, let me make it a little louder for you. And here we go. Another big one here. Yeah, this is another big moroides. So masks on. Mask on, because there'll be a few hairs floating around. Gloves on. Gloves on. And I've got lots of nice dark fruit. So the hairs will become airborne even on a still day like this. Yeah. What? And sometimes, because it's a still day, it's a bit more of a problem because it means they're floating around the plant. There's like a cloud of... <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you look up to the sunlight, you can see the hairs floating off the leaf. But we'd have to... There you go. <laughs> oh my God. For any of our listeners who didn't catch um, that horrifying piece of news, apparently... <laughs> Apparently, and I love that there was horror movie music. Yes, that's another great thing that. about this little documentary. It's wonderful. That's it's, it's the music choice. That's very smart. <laughs> but back to the scary thing. These little hairs, these little needles that ruin your life, apparently, can be airborne. That's right. Yes, the, the plant just sheds them. What? Yes. <laughs> so you could, you could breathe them in? Yes. Yeah, you could unknowingly be standing in a fucking cloud of them, breathing them in. Could That's you right. Get, get them in your eyes. Yes, yes, you can. Yes. Can you get them. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. This is terrible news. I'm sorry. I can never go outside again. Uh, <sighs> well, Dr. Marissa, <laughs> <laughs> if you would be so kind as to tell us what she told theconversation.com, what would happen in this case if you breathe them in? How does, how does that sound? It <laughs> sounds terrible. I can't wait. All right. Quote, the less well-known and very disturbing thing about stinging trees is they cause intense sneezing, nosebleeds, and possibly major respiratory damage if you stay close to them for more than about 20 minutes without protection. The reaction starts with your nose tingling, then dripping continuously. After a short period, you start to sneeze, not just mild sneezing, but intense, harsh, and continuous bouts of sneezing. This happened to me and my field assistants when in close proximity to the plant, either in the rainforest or in the laboratory. Wearing particle face mask helps, but they need to be regularly replaced. Yes. End quote. Oh my God. Jill. Oh, there she goes. No. 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 <laughs> she's, she's gone. No. I love you. <laughs> Nature is too hard. I'm back. I've recovered. Tell me more. Uh, yeah. So they need to be replaced because if those hairs get on the rest, on like the filters that you're using, you'll breathe them in. So you have to like throw away nearly everything you wear when you interact with these things. Because they just. The hairs just get everywhere. They just needle themselves through. Yeah. They just work their way in. It's <laughs> work their way in. Oh my God. Okay. So researcher W.V. McFarlane happened to breathe in a cloud of hairs and he reported 26 hours of having an acute sore throat 
followed by ten full fucking days of a runny nose that included a mixture of mucus and blood. So, um, Oh, my go. God. How did he not die? So, just, just ten days, and that's all. Just ten <laughs> days. NBD. Uh, now, here comes another twist. Oh, great. <clears throat> now, what... <laughs> What causes vomit-inducing inducing pain for some is a tasty salad for others. What? That's right. That's right. During Marina Hurley's time studying the Gimpy Gimpy, she noted how the plant's leaves were being nibbled on. What? They were, there were like instances of a whole plant being there one day and then stripped to its stem the next. You're shitting me. Yes. Australia wouldn't be Australia if something hardcore wasn't eaten by something else even more hardcore. <laughs> You're fucking shitting me. Who the fuck is eating these plants? In this case, hardcore and actually adorable. A fucking adorable. Dr. Marissa, would you like to see the mammal who's call, who calls the plant with the most stingful pain known to man what they call dinner? Yeah, show me. Show me now. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Can yeah. I can I tell our listeners what please, it is that's please. eating? It's it's kangaroos, y'all. It's just <laughs> the cutest king. Jill just pulled up the cutest picture of a kangaroo I've ever seen with a <laughs> with the little baby one coming out of the little pocket. It's so I mean the pouch. It's so it's so cute. It's also just such a relief to see after talking about tiny needles <laughs> in the wild for a long time. <laughs> but but how do they do it? That's, that is a great question. Put a pin in that. Okay. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. Um, this little champion is the red-legged patamelon. It's a red-legged patamelon. And if you're able to give it a Google right now or check our Instagram or our Twitter, please do so. It will make you fucking smile. Seriously, take a quick pause and do it right now. It yeah. will make you feel so much better. Now, if you can't for some reason, you know, imagine shrinking down a kangaroo to about 30 inches tall and give it mouse ears, and you pretty much have yourself a patamelon. I know, I know. Now, they live throughout the same distribution area as these stinging trees, and researchers have no clue how this marsupial can withstand the stings. They have no clue. Wow. They don't know if they naturally produce an antitoxin and have immunity, or, as Irina Vetter, the researcher who discovered that new peptide, the gimpitide, yeah, or she phrased it, quote, whether the patamelon is just a very tough cookie, end quote. So they don't oh. know. Oh, my God. <laughs> no idea. Stop, stop all the COVID research. Stop all the <laughs> cancer research. Stop it. Put it all. Pause it all. Let's research this little guy. Yeah, this is, I mean, 30 inches tall, this little thing. And they only weigh, they don't weigh more than like 15 pounds. And they can like. Eat an entire stinging tree. It's just crazy. So I can hold one with its little baby. I'm going to call it a pocket because it's not a pouch anymore when it's that small. It's a pocket. (laughs) It's a pocket. I could hold them in my arms. Yes. No big deal. NBD. I really want to hold one in my arms. I know. They're really cute. Can we go? Okay. We're going to Australia. Okay. We're doing Uh, it. Yeah. Just for the patamelon. Yep. Uh, So to me, it sounds like both that they produce an antitoxin and they're badass, but there's no way in hell I'm going to go anywhere near this fucking plant to find out. And dear listener, neither should you. Leave it to scientists like Irina, who one day hopes to advance medicine with the gimpy gimpy. Quote, 
The hope is once you've found something that acts on a pain-sensing nerve to activate it, it's actually not that difficult to modify the chemical structure of it and turn it into something that would block a pain signal. Maybe we could make something useful out of this, she told CBC Radio Canada. Marina, you are a <laughs> hero. Patamelons, am I saying that right? Yeah. Patamelons, you are also little heroes. Um, Jill, you're a hero. Thanks. Listeners, uh, our flock, our business geese, y'all are the true heroes. It's true. Um, that was an amazing speech I just gave. It was. Uh, I'm, I'm like sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating. I am absolutely sweating. Um, yeah, so they're hoping they could actually use this to work on chronic pain. Yeah. Um, and you know what, Dr. Vetter, Godspeed and making lemonade out of gimpy gimpy venom. Oh. The flocking end, but not quite. <laughs> to be continued. To be continued. <laughs> There's a lot to be answered for. So we we've got to check in on Marina in a yeah. future episode. And maybe even, I, I know there's more about these that we didn't talk about. So maybe there, even a part two. There is other stuff. My God, I, can go, I, I could have gone on for another 10 minutes, 15 minutes about even when the plant is dead that it's dangerous. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, man. In the meantime, I don't know. Just watch out for a very green-looking plant. Stay away from it. <laughs> yeah, so stay inside. <laughs> and please... Stay interesting. Please do.